When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're great as human beings is of, of hiding. You know, we hide behind facade. We hide behind a smile. We hide behind a tattoo. We hide behind a business deal. And you just don't know what's really going on in people's lives. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got the pleasure of having Matt Hermes with me today. Matt, how are you, sir? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. Man, good to be with you. The GoBundance conference in Miami has been pretty amazing. What do you think? It's been great. It's always good to get down to a GoBundance event. And, you know, for me, it's just to meet more people and see what they're doing and learn from them and get advice from them. And, uh, you know, we never stop learning. So coming to an event like this with guys that uh, are doing things right from both a personal, professional, and giving level is, is huge. And always, always a blessing to be able to get into the rooms with them, no doubt. Now, I noticed you probably two days ago. Okay. Saw a triangle on your forearm with the eye in it. I was like, what's up with this guy? I got <laughs> to spend some time with him and, and start to understand some of these symbols he's sharing with the world. And so you're one of the few people here. I'm another one of them that has, you know, tattoos on their forearms, uh-huh. tattoos that are visible. Uh, tell me a little bit about, one, what most people would consider rebellious, your decision to do that, and then maybe what one or two of them mean so that the listeners can get a feel for who Matt is. Sure. So, yeah, you know, the the tattoos are a part of me, Uh Rebellion, I don't know. I think I got to an age where I decided that, uh, for the most part, I could give a rat's ass about what somebody thought about me, and hopefully I can cuss on your show. Of course. All right. Um, So, yeah, so I started getting tattoos, I don't know how many years ago, and and I've got 12 or 13, I think. Um, But, you know, what's cool, and we were talking before uh, we got on air, is that what's, for me and my tattoos, and, and you're the same way, is they all have a meaning. They all mean something, and they mean something to me, and it's another way f- to start a conversation. Personally, I'm an introvert. I'm not a big ext- extrovert. So, you know, in kind of a selfish way, my tattoos are converse- conversation starters that somebody will come up and say, hey, notice this or notice that. The one that you noticed, which was the eye in, in the middle of a triangle and circle, is my dedication to myself and and 
profession outwardly of, uh, of alcoholism. That's kind of a symbol of alcoholism, but the eye in the middle of it is, is my eye, kind of making sure that I'm keeping an eye out, looking out over me. So that's been a journey I've been on, uh, been sober for almost 13 years. Prior to that, uh, you know, for many reasons, life was hell. I mean, I was going through some really, really challenging times uh, that we might talk about. But it's a, uh, a constant reminder of, of who I am and where I come from. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a life that, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade my life for anybody's. I wouldn't wish my past on anyone, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm so thankful for who I am and, and where I am today. But I wouldn't wish what I've had to go through on anyone because that's my journey and they wouldn't want it. They would not want it. Um, you know, the other one, I've got the, the word comeback on my arm, and that's just my comeback and my family's comeback from a lot of adversary, uh, ad, adversity, um, bankruptcy, lost everything, homes, cars, you name it, we lost it. We were a couple days from homelessness. And, uh, you know, a decision for me to, to change my life and then change my family's life and hopefully change generationally you know, lives of my kids and their kids and their kids going forward. Uh, and I was setting myself up for kind of failing generations, you know, moving forward. And I made that decision, you know, a number of years ago that I wasn't going to allow that to happen. wasn't going to allow it to happen to me and, you know, and my kids potentially. So then I've got the uh, GPS coordinates of the orphanage that my wife and I adopted our two oldest kids from over in uh, the Ukraine. So we are certainly keeping an eye on things over there, and we have some friends that, that are still in uh, Odessa and Kiev that we keep in touch with, and they're safe and they're healthy. And then I've got a U.S. flag with the Ukrainian flag blended in, so that's kind of my love of, of the uh, country of the Ukraine and just my, you know, something to my kids. And I've got Braille on my arm from for my daughter who lost her eyesight at the age of 8, who's now 21, and... I mean, the stories go on and on and on. So, you know, it's kind of a, a tribute to my kids. I mean, most of the things are tributes to my kids. I've got the yin and yang on my arm for my wife and I, and you name it. So, And it's, it's always adding. I've got another one coming up to honor my late mother who passed away, so that one's coming up. So tattoos are, you know, once you start getting them, it's addicting. Yeah, but being able to tell the story and have the permanent reminders – in some sure. pictorial form, I think is really valuable, especially no when doubt. times get hard. Now, you said something that I just want to latch on to and drill pretty deep on. You said, I wouldn't wish my past on anybody, but I'm really grateful for where I am, and I wouldn't trade my journey f for anything. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us look at where people are, and for those of you who don't know, you have to be at least a millionaire in order to come to or qualify to participate in a GoBundance event. And so, you know, it's safe to say that Matt's at least a millionaire, right? And so people look at that and they they envy that. They desire that. But they have no idea what price you had to pay to get there. You've alluded to some financial hardship along the way, but when you say... You wouldn't wish your past on anybody. Is there something specific you're speaking about? Lots of specifics. Um, 
But a great question. You know, I say I don't wish my past on anyone, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I, I mean that sincerely because I'm a better person. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better business owner than I ever could have been if I didn't have my past. Okay. So we all have our, we all have our stuff. Okay. Uh, and you know, I was talking earlier today with someone on actually on another podcast and I, I was saying if, if there's 10 of us sitting around a table and we all had a piece of paper and, and a pen and we got to write down all the crap that's going on in our lives, you just write it down a list and you slide that piece of paper into the middle of the table and everybody got to take a look at everybody else's, more than likely you'd pull yours back out and you say, I'll take mine. Because we're great as human beings as, of, of hiding. You know, we hide behind facade. We hide behind a smile. We hide behind a tattoo. We hide behind a business deal. And you just don't know what's really going on in people's lives. For me, it's alcoholism. I, I, I was an alcoholic for a number of years. I knew I was. Um, and I made the decision to stop drinking in uh, November 12th of, of 2000, excuse me, November 13th, Friday the 13th of 2009, when my wife sat me down, and she didn't really sit me down. Um, she was a very heated discussion, and she said, look, I've had enough. And I've talked to my mom, and I've talked to uh, other people, and, and my mom has said that I can come live with them, with the kids, my three kids, and they were 8, 9, and 10 at the time, and you're not welcome unless you stop drinking. And she said that in probably different ways and different avenues and different contexts, time after time and after time again. But that was the one day that it hit me where it stuck. You know, and I've known I've been drinking too much, and I knew I was this and that, and I was a functioning alcoholic. I never got a DUI, never hit anybody, never physically abused my wife. I probably emotionally did. <clears throat> um, you know, I got up and went to work every day, um, but things just sucked. I mean, this is 2009, you know, moving backwards a little bit. It was the financial crisis of real estate, and I'm in real estate. And, uh, you know, year before that, well, 2006, things were going great. We bought a big house, living the, living the life. And the market started crashing, and, and me... I started crashing not because of the market, but I was crashing for a couple of other reasons. Um, I mentioned to you before, my youngest daughter uh, lost her eyesight at the age of eight. Uh, a year before that, my son, who was adopted from the Ukraine, he was, um, we have no birth history on him, and he had the very bad disease. And come to find out that uh, he has something called Gaucher's disease where he's missing an enzyme in his blood. And this enzyme needs to be put into his bloodstream every two weeks. Um, the challenge with it wasn't so much getting the medicine. It was paying for the medicine. And it was about $55,000 a month. So, a month. so when you don't have any money, you're drinking too much. Your business is failing. Your son just gets this terrible diagnosis and then a year later your daughter loses her eyesight just out of the blue man things are hard and I was blaming everybody and everything for the situations that we were in 
you know, it was God this and financial, you know, the market's this and my wife this and my kids that and my friends this and this and this. And I was playing victim. I was 100% victim. And it was a, you know, I won't say it was a terrible time. It was the worst time that I can imagine. And about that time, I, I put together, you know, when when people get are getting ready to get out of the business, they put together an exit strategy, ex, exit plan. My exit plan was a little different. It was I was going to take the uh, 2002 Honda, Minis, uh, Honda, Honda Odyssey minivan that I affectionately called the man van, um, that we borrowed 6000 bucks from my oldest brother to, to pay for because we had lost our cars. Um, and I was going to drive it up Interstate 85, and I was going to deposit myself and the, the man van uh, over the edge of the lake and drive into the lake and, and just be done with it. My thought process is I had an insurance policy. I wasn't going to leave a note. I wasn't going to do this and this, and my wife would survive. She was, you know, miserable in the relationship at that point. She'd be okay. They got some money. The kids are 8, 9, and 10, so they'll, you know, find a new dad when Carmen, hopefully, she remarries and so on and so forth. And I look back on it, it's like, God, that was awful. Obviously, I didn't do it, and I don't think I ever would have done it, but it was just that thought process of how sick my mind was at that time. So fast forward to that Friday night on uh, Friday the 13th, 2009, it finally hit me that I needed to stop taking... Uh, that victim mentality and s- just stop drinking. And I did. Uh, I'd never picked up a drink since then, didn't go to rehab, didn't go to, you know, whatever. I, I jumped into AA, and that's been a blessing for me. Um, but to, to move forward to where we are now, I look back, and I'm like, we are so broken. We were broke. We were sad. We were mad. We were angry. We were frustrated to today, which is in, in the overall scheme of things, not a whole long time. You know, it's 12 going on 13 years. My life is wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would not trade my awful times for anything because I am who I am today because of where I was 12 years ago. I'm who I am today because of where I was yesterday. I can't change anything about my past. I can do nothing about it. There's absolutely nothing I can do or anybody that's listening to this podcast can do about their past. What they can do is they can direct, change the direction of their future, and it starts now. And I finally got that, and it's made a huge difference for me. I'm going to come back to the it starts now. But anybody out there who's thinking they'd be better off without me, it's likely that they won't. It's likely that they're going to be in tremendous amount of pain and not understand why and who knows how they will process that trauma because most of us don't have the tools to deal with trauma. We're not taught it. Death's a part of life. It's going to happen. But none of us actually invest in being able to cope or process with that. And so I've been there, brother. Right, And I used to call it uh, cowardly. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to know that I I was checking out, right? So the easy way to do that is an accident. So I get it. Um, but if you fight through that valley, there's another mountain. 
And the view from the other side can't compare to what you saw when you were down in the bottom. Yeah, you can't. And, you know, it's when we're down at the bottom and everybody's bottom is different and I can't tell someone when to stop doing this or and we're, and I'm not talking about just addiction I'm talking about whatever be it depression or stress or or marital issues you never know when your bottom is right you, you can't gauge when your bottom is you know it's just like I tell people in the real estate market they said oh well when's the top of the market or when's the bottom market I have no idea by the time I know that it's the bottom we're already past the bottom and it's going back up and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. It's not easy, but it's worth it. When I was struggling and fighting through the, the especially the financial challenges and, and trying to build my business back up, there was nothing easy about it. And we didn't have any money to do anything. So we changed, I changed my mindset from taking to giving. And what can I give back to the community? What can I give back to the people that I know? What can I give? What can I do to give back to the community that has helped us? You know, when my son and my daughter, who lost her sight, um, had some challenges, uh, the community kind of reached out to us and provided meals and, and stuff like that. When we were flat broke, um, our church gave us a Thanksgiving meal and they gave us some Christmas presents for our kids, and we've never forgotten that. You know, this. Last year, I think we donated, my real estate team, we donated 200 meals to families over Thanksgiving. That came out of the giving that happened to us. So why not turn around and bless those families that are going through some challenges? You know, we, we have turned, we have created my business and our family from a lack to a give. And giving, expecting nothing in return, you receive so much from it, be it self-fulfillment, be it gratitude, be it love, be it enjoyment, be it anything. So it's not, it's not easy. It is not easy. I'm not, not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, the day I stopped drinking, everything turned around and my wife loved me and this and this. It took years for my wife to fall back in love with me, I think. She always loved me. She didn't like me very much. But she always loved me. Now I think she's in love with me, and I am in love with her more today than I ever have been. So I give her a lot of credit for, for me being here and being who I am is because of the love that she had to call me out and say, you're being an ass, and you're ruining our family. And if you don't stop, this is what's going to be the result. You leave me no choice. She call, sometimes we forget our greatness we we get comfortable and we're okay playing small man what a great line we forget our greatness and we be okay playing small that is awesome somebody shows up and they they call us out on it and at first we resent them who are you to tell me that i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing and then if you sit and think about it and you're courageous enough to suspend your disbelief that what they're saying is possible for you. Boy, you get grateful for the fact that they thought enough of you to say something to you about it. Because if they hadn't, you'd still be over there rolling around in the mud instead of flying like you're supposed to. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of those, the, the key to that is people can tell you and tell you and tell you. They can tell you how great you are, right? They can tell you 
what an asset you are to a company. They can tell you how you're drinking too much, how you're ruining the family, how you're not working hard enough, whatever it is. But until you believe it, until you see it, no change will be made. My wife probably told me a hundred times, you need to stop drinking. This is bad. And I was functioning. I was functioning alcoholic. I got up. I went to work. I helped around the house, probably not as much as I needed to or should have. But you have to get to a point. Me, I got to a point where I said enough is enough. And it was just that one time that she said it in right, the right tone or the right inflection or I was finally willing to listen that made all the difference for me. And from then on, I've never, I, I can't say I've never ha- had thoughts about having a drink. I miss going on a Sunday afternoon and watching, you know, NFL football and, and having a beer or two. Saturday afternoon, college football, man, would love to. But it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's not who I am anymore, and it's not important to me. My sobriety, my family is more important than anything else. But, you know, this isn't about so- my story is partly about sobriety, but it's it's also about working through challenges. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, seriously, I'm not the, you know, I said this earlier, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, sharp, sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm just a dude that, you know, at 56 years old is loving life. And 13 years ago, I was a broken man. And there's nothing special about me. It's, it's... Uh, it's faith, it's encouragement, it's support, um, and it's that internal mindset that I've screwed up long enough. It's time for me to to turn it around, be the man that I've always wanted to be, and start making a difference for my family, for the generations to follow, and for those people that may be going through challenges that I might be able to help and most importantly, giving back as much as we can to our community, to whoever needs help. And in doing that, as we serve, my business has grown. And it's grown to a point where, man, it's just, we love, we love as a team to serve people. You know, we got to make money, no doubt about that. But we get to serve. We get to, I get to serve. I get to give. And I give without expecting anything in return. And how cool is that? And then other shit happens. I mean, all that other stuff happens. You know, that the sales come, the investment opportunities come, all these things that come. I got right, I got sober at the exact right time, the exact minute that I was supposed to get sober. A day earlier, a month earlier, a year earlier, I would not be the same person that I am today. If I got sober a year earlier, I would not be sitting here with you. If I got sober a month earlier or a month later, I would not be sitting here. I would not be in GoBundance. I would not have things. Could be more, could be less. I could have changed the, the road I drove down and could have gotten hit by a truck and not be here. But today I am here because of the decision that I made at that right time. And every decision since then has put me in the position that I'm in today. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. 
they often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. So what I love about that is the concept of submitting to the process. And a lot of us try to muscle things. We, we try to force or impose our will on the situation. And I think it leads to a ton of frustration. I think it puts people in a, in a fit where they're trying to make something happen, but nothing's working. And you used the word victim earlier. And I think surrendering to the process and being a victim are two totally different things. I don't know if you've thought about that before, if you have perspective on that concept, but I would love to hear your reaction to that. Well, I think it is two totally different things. So being a victim and surrendering. Being a victim is um, I was allowing, for me, and I can't speak for, for anyone else, but for me, is it was everybody else's fault. Or there was something else that caused this, and it wasn't anything that I was taking responsibility for. You know, the real estate market was crashing. It was in dire straits. We didn't sell a home for, you know, four months at one point. But there were other people in the real estate industry that were having the best year ever because they decided to jump in on short sales and foreclosures, and I was just hanging around. But I was the victim. The market's doing this. My son having his, you know, issues. Oh, you know, he's, it's, you know, cursing, you know, God or whatever. And then my daughter losing her sight. And, you know, why is this happening in the relationship with my wife? I was just victim, victim, victim. Surrender, I think, is a little different because I finally got to the point where I surrendered and said, whoa, enough is enough. I give up. And I can't do this anymore the way that I'm doing it. So now I need help. And for me, it was my own God, my own, you know, internal drive. It was my own internal fortitude, intestine, whatever you want to call it. But with my guidance of the, in the term I'll use is the, is the God of my understanding, right? I'm able to surrender and say, oh, just throw up your hands. I can't do this anymore on my own. And my own way has gotten me to where I was, and that doesn't work anymore. So now, what do I need to do? And it was just really a, a you know the a cleansing of every thought that I had. And it was, and I got to you know it's funny, Jay. I got to the point where I was like, anytime I'd make a decision, I need to do the exact freaking opposite. Because my decision-making process was so screwed up. It was, should I go left? No, dude, left has screwed you, so let's go right and let's see what this direction is. If it was, you know, one of the most important things that I, I started to say very early on is, especially to my wife, was you might be right. Instead of saying you're wrong or I'm right or whatever, it was you might be right. 
And then the second most important thing is to say I'm sorry. And that's hard for me. I am defensive when we, I or anyone, I get into a discussion about something, I get defensive because I think I'm right. And I need to be able to step back and just say, you know what, you might be right. And then later on in a conversation or a different situation, say, you know what, I'm sorry. And it's amazing what happens when you just say that word or those two words, I'm sorry. It takes everybody's defenses down and you can have a good conversation. So for me, it's, it's getting out of victimhood is, is surrendering. But then it's also now to a point where I am victorious in everything. I screw up. I'm going to continue to screw up. But I don't have to play victim anymore. And, and I, I love, you know, I, I love my life. I love it. You know, there's so much good. There's so much positive things that are going on. You know, my, uh, my daughter who, who lost her eyesight, she doesn't want her eyesight back anymore. She is a she's a junior she's going to graduate college in three years with all straight A's Uh, she swam for the Paralympic team in Rio in 2016 as the youngest athlete on both the Paralympic or the Olympic team Uh, she went to Japan this summer and swam for the Paralympic team in Japan she's going to the Paralympic World Championships in Portugal in June uh, she's been to Australia because of her swimming. Germany, she gets to speak to thousands of people about her journey. Um, she's got friends. She's got, you know, all this wonderful stuff. And she would never have had that if she, lost her, if she hadn't lost her sight. If she was sighted, she would not be doing all these things. And now she has a platform that she gets to share and she gets to talk. And she's like, yeah, being blind sucks sometimes. But look what it's given me. And then you look at that as a parent, and you're like, holy crap. I shouldn't feel bad about not getting this deal or screwing this up or, you know, feeling sorry for myself because I'm 10 pounds overweight or 5 pounds overweight or I didn't do this or this. When you have somebody in your life, and we all have those people, it doesn't have to be physical. We, it doesn't have, sorry, it doesn't have to be physical. It can be an emotional attachment, detachment, whatever it is. But we, we all have people in our lives. And I look up to all of my kids. I mean, I've got a 21, 22, and 23-year-old now. And I admire all of them. They're all different. And I don't know how they all grew up in the same house and they do the, t- <laughs> the different things that they do. And I know you've got two kids too. But, uh, man, life is good. Life is, life is so good, and it is not. And, and we, can always, we can always make a change. And whoever we are today, in five years, we can do a 180-degree difference, without a doubt. So I believe that there's at least four characters in every story. The hero, the victim, the guide, and the love interest. And the two that we end up being most often when we're thinking about our world is the hero or the victim. So you talked about being a victim early, and now what you just described was being the hero, right? You started doing the things, you reduced your ego, and you let people show up, whether it's the God of your understanding, your wife, mm-hmm. whoever else, to guide you on this journey that you're going on to become 
in this case, the love interest, which is the future self, right? The the person that you aspire to be, the one that you want to meet when this ride is over and you, they tell you all the things that you could have been and I want to overshoot whatever they thought was possible mm-hmm. for me, but you know, some people just want to make it to that person. And so I, I think it's a beautiful use of that kind of framework because as soon as we're cognizant that we're the victim, we get to choose. And you've talked about choice multiple times as as we've gone on this journey, whether it's choosing to go left instead of go right and a number of other things. And I think so many people forget that they have a choice. And when you give up your choice, I think that's truly when you become a victim because you're subject to whatever else is going on. You, You don't have the ability to influence it. And somebody may be sitting there now saying, Jerome, you're contradicting yourself. You said surrender, but now you're talking about submitting. And I, I, I don't get it. I think you did a great job of explaining the differences between the two. But for those who are lost in all of this conversation, what I offer to you is the second most powerful two-word sentence that I believe exists in the world is I choose. Mm. I think I am is the most powerful, and then I choose is the second. Because no matter what is going on in your world, it's a result of the choices that you made up to that point. And guess what? The future is a result of the choices that you make from where you are right now until that point in the future arrives. So you're saying that I choose is a an extremely powerful most important two-word phrase. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I think many of the folks who are in the matrix don't believe that they have a choice. They have to do this or they have to do that. They don't get to do this. They don't get to do that. Somebody else dictated what they have to do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes doing nothing is the choice. And I agree with you. And I think and I, I wanted you to say so I kind of switched it on you. I was the interviewer. I wanted you to say, I choose again to make an impact because I choose to be great or I choose to be a failure is all a choice. So a couple things I want to get to, and I, I interrupted you, so can I? Please go. Okay. So we have the opportunity to make a choice, right? When I tell my... I have told my wife this, I've told my kids this, and I will tell any, anybody this, that their choice, they have a choice to do anything, okay? And I've had this conversation with my wife, and, and she's still in, I don't know if she's in agreement, disagreement with it yet, but ultimately, I can't make her love me. I can't make her hate me, like me, respect me, whatever. That's all her choice. I can contribute to it. I can contribute to her anger. I can contribute to her love. I can contribute to her happiness. But ultimately, she makes that decision, right? So if I'm a prick, if I'm a jerk, she can still choose to love me or she can choose not to like me. There's plenty of days where she probably chooses not to like me, but she still chooses to love me, right? And in business, 
the same thing. So I can't make anyone blank. They choose to. And I think that's an important distinction. So I'm glad you mentioned that. The other thing I'd like to point out is that I made a, a mind shift, a mind shift change a number of years ago from saying I have to go to the store. I have to go take my kids to soccer practice. I have to take them to swim practice. I have to go to work. I have to go to dinner with my wife and her friends. Now I get to. I get to go to work. I get to live. I get to enjoy. I get to love. I get to take my kids to swim. I get to pay for college education. And that's a huge, huge change. When you have to, you're forced. When you get to, you're allowed to, and you it's get an opportunity. to. Yeah, it's an op- a great point. Great point. So, get out of get get out of have to, move to get to, and choose choose life, choose happiness, choose adventure, choose you know whatever it is. Choose uh, heck, choose success. For me, it was if you look back, I don't. I chose sobriety. I chose self worth. I chose self admiration. I, st- I won't say that I don't still struggle with thinking that I'm good enough, strong enough, fast enough, smart enough, whatever. I have those challenges. There's no doubt I have those challenges. Everybody does. Everybody does. But I look at, you know, I walk into this Go Abundance. I'm like, holy cow, how am I, little old me, going to compete with these guys? And I don't, I'm not there to compete. That's my biggest problem. I want to compete with everybody. I don't have to compete. I am who I am. And I got to be okay with that. And I think it's evolution. But there's also the knowing that you haven't become him yet. Correct. Right? And there's years left, and you're on this journey of becoming him. And so I think that piece is healthy so that you continue to improve, you continue to grow, you continue to perform at a high level because that is... I think the difference maker, mm-hmm. right? I think that's what actually improves your life. And so before we wrap up, I'd love to know what happened to get you to start taking the upward trajectory. You're down in the valley, and we kind of left the story there. We skipped to the end. But what what happened? What pulled you out of the valley and allowed you to climb back up to the mountaintop? Man, what a good question. So what, what allowed me to step out of the victimhood and get to the position that I'm, I'm at is, and we touched on it briefly, is, is making a cognizant decision to, to give more than we were receiving, right? I started to be okay with myself. I started to be okay with the, the, the past failures that I perceived that I had. And, and said, like we said before, I can't do anything about the past. All I can do is change, change the present and, and make sure that my future is, is where I want it. Um, I was dedicated to making sure that um, my kids were taken care of and that my wife was taken care of, and I would never allow us to go broke again. I made that decision and then started to put a plan in place to make those happen by making good financial decisions. Um, once we started to make money, once we, you know, my career, I was able to turn my career around and start to make, uh, a good, you know, a level of income. I told Carmen, I said, my wife, I said, whenever you're ready to stop working, just quit 
it's now time for me to take care of you the way that you've taken care of our family. And within a couple months, she left her job. She hasn't worked since. We're about, I think, six or seven years into that now. And she lives the life that I've always wanted to provide for her. And I, I hope, and, uh, hope and pray that she loves the life that she has. Uh, she gets to travel with, you know, sometimes go see my daughter swim or with another daughter or friends, you know, wherever they want to go. She's busier than she's ever been. She gets to uh, give to the community. She gets to enjoy life. Um, so doing that, that allows me to know that my work is paying off and I can't take it easy. Um, we we really started to give and give and give because, you know, trying to build a real estate career back, um, we didn't have any money. So we just started giving back, you know, be it in volunteering situations or whatever it was to be able to rebrand ourselves, rebrand, you know, the, the team and, and everything that we were doing. And, you know, it's it's just a kind of metamorphosis of, of really that decision to give that decision to love and that decision to take ourselves out of the picture and it's not what we get from it but what we're able to provide to others has been a true blessing to us you know um today we're you know healthy healthy happy and whole Uh, and, and and you know i i was i was mentioned something to to somebody else that I kind of look at life as, as a clock, right? And you got the second hand that if it starts at 12 and it, it goes downhill. So that's your downhill issues, valleys in life. And then at 6 o'clock, it starts to go back up. And that's when your life is, is on the mend. And then you get up to that 12, and that's the highlight, right? We don't know where, where we are. We don't know if we're at, you know, that second hand is at the 10, the 11, or the 12, and we don't know if it's starting to go down yet. We're never going to know. But as long as we have a good relationship with our family, with our friends, with our spiritual being, whoever that is, you know, for me, my God, I can get through anything now. And before, I I really had some challenges. So I've just kind of let everything go. I, I am who I am. I have no regrets. I don't, re- I don't forget my past, but don't forget my past, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I am who I am, man, I, it's, uh, and I'll keep getting tattoos, and if people think it's rebellious, whatever. Well, <laughs> I think there's a level of self-acceptance that you have to have sure. in order to do that, because somebody will stereotype that. There's other people who embrace it and are like, man, tell me some stories. Because obviously you want people to see. Mm-hmm. Even, and you, you want to see, right? It's more for probably more for you than anybody else. But if you put it there, it's for other people to see unless you cover it up. And so I, I just value the perspective. Um, and there's a level of maturity there that I think most people miss. And, Matt, I, I just... I'm so grateful that you were so generous with your time today, brother. Thank I, you. I think there's there's just so much proof over the course of this conversation that our dreams can be real no matter where we are. Yeah, dreams do come true. We all have our own story. You know, my story, I choose to tell people and I choose to show it on my arms, right? And it is my profession of Man, anything is possible. And if there's anybody out there that's listening, just you got to know that anything is possible. 
and don't let anybody tell you you can't. Because when you say and you believe that you can't, you never will. And tomorrow is always a brand new day. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, sir. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.